Spesial kali. You are about to listen to facts, stories, interviews, gossip, and much more fascinating things that will be so stunning there's a possibility that your mind will blow. This show will start five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, um, don't, uh, welcome to another edition of What's Up. My name is Adeline, and today I will be your host. In this show, I will be representing you and providing you with a lot of information about policing. So if you have any questions, please let us know in the chat in lumpenradio.com, or you could tweet us. Now, how to start a conversation between the community and youth and the police. The importance of how to interact with police and to know what's happening in communities like Little Village. So for that, I've attended to several community meetings in Little Village led by Enlace, which is part of GAPA. GAPA means Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability that works to promote and change factors contributing incarceration of people of color. It seeks to transform the relationship between the CPD and the communities it serves in order to realize equal access to safe and thriving neighborhood for all Chicago residents. So for the past two months, I've collected information from the meetings and interviewed active members of the community in Little Village, from parents to ceasefire violence prevention, leaders like Maria Diaz, a parent and community server, and two members of the violence prevention, which is ceasefire, that I will refer to them as David and Jesse, also major from CGA Youth and Family Services, and Amara, a former community organizer from Enlace Chicago and Community Engagement Project for Police Accountability. And I'll have more. So let's start the show with Amara that will give us a little more descriptive of what is the meaning of GAPA and the organization it's partnered with across communities of Chicago. So here's Amara with the meaning of GAPA. Yes, uh, GAPA itself stands for the Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability. It's... Um, a table of 12 different organizations that work around the issue of policing. More importantly, they're they're, um, trying to figure out a strategy to have the community understand what police accountability looks like now and and what it could look like with their input. Um, So Enlace is part of that with a a number of other organizations um, like Action Now, Communities United, Community Renewal Society, Inner City Muslim Action Network, or Iman, One North Side, Southsiders Organize for Unity and Liberation, Southwest Organizing Project, Target Area Development Corporation, uh, UCRO, uh, which is United Congress of Community and Religious Organizations. Thank you, aunque yo no sé quién eres tú, tú me dejas chasling. 
guys, did you guys enjoy that song? That song is called Whoever You Are by King Chango. Don't forget, you're listening to What's Up. And we're going to continue with the um, with this special edition of What's Up. Uh, so we're going to, so first we have Alejandro Barba from CPAC, which is another word is CPAC. Um, he was a guest in one of the community meetings, and he talked about how some past history from the civil rights movement to the Black Panthers. So let's listen. So this is not the first time this has come up. I mean, this is actually an idea that was started by the Black Panther Party um, over 30 years ago. And the Black Panther Party said, we need community control of the police, right? So the Black Panther Party actually put this out. And when they were putting this out there back in the 60s, they were actually filling up auditoriums with five, ten thousand 10,000 people, mm. you know? So this is not a new idea. So um, what do they call them? Legal counsel, right? The lawyers? So um, the Legal Council for the Alliance actually wrote this le legislation within old school civil rights leader Stan Willis. I'm pretty sure people like who are involved in the movement like should know who Stan Willis is. Um, all civil rights people. Um, and the people that we work with are have really close ties to the civil rights movement, you know. Um, African American primarily, of course. Um, like um, well, there's Miss Durham, her husband, who's now um, been deceased for maybe about 10 years. But, I mean, these are people I've been working with for like 20 years, and, and I had no idea how important they were to the movement, you know, the civil rights movement. So, um, yeah, like her husband actually was actually the founding, uh, one of the founders of the Defender, which is the first African-American newspaper in the mm -hmm. city, you know. And these are all people who have been involved in the movement. So the legal counsel, just to answer your question, the legal counsel, wrote this legislation based on uh, the issues that currently plague our city, right? Which is um, something as, as simple as a traffic stop, right? And um, what, what were you talking about, affidavit car? So you got to fill something out, right? Saying that I stopped you. Yeah, which is, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of scary processes. Um, and even knowing your rights, it actually has some serious repercussions, you know? Like, oh, you want to be us, like, mm. come with us. You know? um, so, um, yeah, no, it's, it, 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 it's been really tough, but the um, people who are really plagued by this, like the neighborhood fellows here in the neighborhood, they, just, they have no problem with this. You know, like, the first words that come out of the mouth are the police, you know? Which, you know, like, I... You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to be vulgar or offend anyone, but, I mean, that's the attitude, you know, mm. like, because they know, like, they're also a part of problem, you know, like, you know, they want to be blamed, you know, the neighborhood fellas want to be blamed for these problems. The police are part of the problem, too, you know, so, mm. I mean, that, let's not, let's not try to separate the two, you know, like, everyone knows them and what they do in the neighborhood, you know, and they know who they allow to do what they can do in the neighborhood, so... <clears throat> So you guys just listened to Alejandro. He gave us some information of historical events that happened in the community. And some of the topics I want to mention that he also mentioned in that clip was youth harassed by police. So one thing I learned that in my community in Little Village, I didn't really knew that youth were being harassed by police due to um due to their, I don't know what they're going on. But like I know that they use youth uh, for lineups and you guys will understand 
uh, what's a lineup throughout the process of the show. So yeah, youth are being harassed. Um, there, um, there's um, people like David and Jesse from Ceasefire. They were also victims of police misconduct. So they also um, mentioned like some. They they told me their story in like privately, but I won't you know put it out there. But they they share their story with us in meetings. They also they mentioned also that lately with the Donald Trump thing going on, that like of the deportation going on, um, the uh, your status matters right now, your immigration status. So like people have been panicking or the community has been in panic mode due to thinking that ICE is like you know working with cops and all that. So if you guys want to get you know informed or want to learn more about that you guys should come to these meetings usually happen every month and yeah and also i just wanted to wear um you know give awareness in the community not only the little village happens but i know that it happens in every community so if you guys live around like you know around little village you guys could um you know stop by the meetings and also if you guys are like get um problems with um cops i know you sometimes say, you might think you guys know your rights right but we we not always know our rights so if you guys want to get yourself educated and knowing your rights and knowing the privilege you have and all that um you could also go to the meetings for that they always always talk about that so now we're gonna start with a testimonial from a community server and a victim of police misconduct. Maria presents a story that she came across with with four young kids working a mural in the community of Brit- Britain Park as a cop approaches them. So here's Maria and her testimonial. Muy buenas tardes. Maria Díaz para servirle, servidora de la comunidad. I have always had great respect and admiration for our Chicago police officers until I had an, an unfortunate encounter with the police. What brought me here is that I want to see justice. I want to see that the police do the job that they are supposed to do, which is protect and serve, not use force and abuse. As I said earlier, I've always had great admiration and respect for the Chicago police, and there are many awesome officers on the force. Unfortunately, there are a few that spoil all the good that many have done. And when I talk about force and abuse, I'm talking about police officers that are not doing their best to protect and serve. I had an experience, this is going back several years ago, where I was working in the community As I said, I am a server for the community. I love my community, whether it's La Villita, Brighton Park, Back of the Yards, uh, Burridge, which is miles away from here. I'm a member of the community. So several years ago, I was working in the Brighton Park community, and one of the, um, a property owner lent us his, his entire building to do murals because we were talking about peace, and we were also talking about substance abuse prevention. 
So he let us use his building to create as many murals as we wanted. There were four youth who were working with me, and we were doing a great job. We, we were priming the building. We had the sidewalk covered with sheets so that the sidewalk wouldn't be affected by the paint. And this police officer, I remember her, a woman, Caucasian, that she pulls up and she asks, what's going on? I give her my name. I tell her what we're doing, what it's all about. She says, great, keep up the awesome work. Drives away. She comes back less than two minutes later, and she yells out, hey, Maria, in a very friendly tone, you and your kids have IDs? Of course we have IDs. But now I'm on the alert. Why are you asking me for my ID? And the youth, too. And she, um, she says that she wants our IDs because she wants to fill out these little cards with our information for our protection. <laughs> I ask her what those cards are, and she shows me these little beige, like, four-by-four four cards. And she says that she's going to have all of our information there just in case any gangbanger tries to do us harm, that we're going to be okay because she will know everything about us. I was truly offended and insulted by this officer because she, she was trying to deceive us. I mean, openly deceive us. She wanted for us to give us, to give her our IDs so that she could fill out contact cards. And I said to her, officer, it is my understanding that these cards are for suspicious activities or suspicious individuals of such activities. We're not doing anything suspicious. No, 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 Maria, this is for your safety. I told her no. None, none of my four youth nor I are going to give you our IDs. She became so angry. She threw her, the cards, she threw them in her vehicle, she slammed the door, I mean really slammed it. She jumps into her car, and as she's driving away, she stops and yells, Hey, Maria, but yells it, right? You could have heard her a mile away. Yes, officer. She said, the property you're painting on may be private, but the streets are federal property. They belong to the city. Well, if they belong to the city, they're not federal property, right? But I didn't go into that with her. I said, yes, officer. There is no paint on them. Don't worry. Do you not see the covers? She went away. And then I ran into her again several weeks later. Because, you know, to do a mural, it's not an overnight job. Several weeks later, she comes by again. But this time, I had a very, very prominent community member with me, someone who always attends meetings like crazy, whether they're police meetings, city council meetings, organizational meetings. This man is known everywhere. And I told him about what happened. And here she comes in her vehicle. And he yells out to her. I don't remember her name. But he called her by name and he told her, why don't you stop right now? Why? Because he was white and I'm not white, I'm brown. Did that make a difference? Because she didn't stop to say anything in his presence. How come? So just that one 
incident just brought down the admiration that I had for the police officer, that she wanted to trick us into giving information that she did not need. And she wanted this information to put where, in what database, especially with everything that's going on today. Why did she want to deceive us? What quota was she trying to meet? And I did call and report it. I hope the report was filed. And if not, it's here now. I would tell people to speak up. Speak up. Report these things. If you consider that it's abuse, report it. If you feel that it's just not right, question it. If you feel that... If you feel in your gut that you need to take further action, take it. If you feel that you cannot give your name, you cannot go in person, then do it anonymously. But do something. Don't keep it quiet. Because unfortunately, for everyone who stays quiet, the abuse multiplies. And if we don't stand up for ourselves and we don't stand united, the abuse is not going to stop. Well, I've never been afraid, okay? And after this incident, I didn't feel afraid. I felt angry. Because if this happened to me, someone who's already way up there in age, well, not that much, but that I am an older person, I think, what must our youth go through when they are stopped by the, by the police? And when our youth tell us, yeah, the officer pulled me or grabbed me, shouted in my face, and that we sometimes think, he's only exaggerating. Police officer wouldn't do that. But this officer did this to me a member of the community who fights for the community. So what must it be for, for someone who doesn't know how to speak up? What must it be like? I would like to ask that of the police directly. I would like to know why they are targeting the youth. I would like to know why, just because you see a youth walking down the street, the first question is, what gang do you belong to? You've got drugs on you? Why? Well, if they aren't in school, why aren't you in school? But that's not the questions they ask. So I would like to know from the police why. Yes, and this is directly to our police. Come on. You're human. At least I'd like to think that. You have families. How do you want your families to be treated? You have children within those families. How do you want your children to be treated? You demand respect, but remember that respect is a two-way street, not one way. And just because you wear a badge does not give you the power, the liberty to abuse. It doesn't. Hey, guys, you just listened to Maria, her testimonial with uh, police misconduct. And I know you guys heard that in the end she was kind of, you know, mad. And, like, it's okay, you know, you guys at least felt the vibe of her voice, of the way she was talking. 
So I I I hope you guys understand that this is true. This is what, what everything that's happening in the community is true. So I just wanted to remind you for those that are, you know, catching up with us, we're talking about the community youth and police in Little Village. So yeah, if you guys like it, <laughs> stay tuned. And don't forget and don't forget we're visiting Studio B here at Bridgeport. Uh WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. So now we're gonna continue with some of the meetings I went and like the goal of the meetings. So the goal of the meetings, the community meetings, is to engage community members around and their life experience. Educate them about the PATF recommendations, work with work with them to identify issues and share perspectives about COPA and a community oversight board. So the meetings include open activities, visioning exercise, and safety mapping activity, poetry or spoken word, presentation, including historical background, statistics, and other relevant info, and testimonials from people. So like... In the meetings, people, um, community members will go and, you know, pa- usually parents go. I was the only, you know, youth there. And they were like, they will, they will mention like their per- personal stories with what um, their kids been through with cops. Usually all always takes place in the high school or always takes place when they're in the park. And these parents seem to be more, like, furious about these situations because they find out, like, two weeks or a month later. And, like, usually, like, when it's too late, you can't really file a report or complaint. So if you guys have, you know, if you guys feel like you need to file a complaint, I feel like you guys should do that. But not only that, that's not only the problem in the community. A lot of people lack to file complaints due to them being afraid due to their um, status. Um, that's one of the big things that has been going on or what they talk about in the meetings, that they're afraid to talk about what the cops or police officers um, do to them. You know, like I've had... I've heard stories that parents, um, like, they lost their kid due to a cop, you know, a shooting. And one thing that I found out in the meeting about um, foot chases, I don't know if you guys are aware about foot chases, but I am. Um, they're called chase, chase cases. So if a, if a cop sees a kid running and they believe they have a weapon, they could shoot you if they want to. There's no, um, it's in the, they're, they don't have in their contract. They don't have nothing. So, like, your life is depending on them. So, basically, your life depends on the cop. So, anything you do, just be careful. Um, cops are trained to kill. Usually, that's what people say. Um, but if a cop, if an officer kills a citizen, usually COPA investigates that. And usually this um, broke down, like, it exploded due to the Laquan McDonald case. So I'm pretty sure everyone in Chicago is aware about the Laquan McDonald case. So you, if you guys want to know more information about that, you guys should do some research. And it'll, it'll, 
it'll it'll blow your mind what they talk about. And also what something that I noticed, something that I I learned in one of the meetings, it was actually a conference call. Uh it was called a webinar, I believe. Um it said that 2000, from 2015 to 2016, the complaints lowered. So that means people, citizens, have not filed complaints to cops. So that could be a problem, but then again, that that's not a problem for them. So, like, their job is becoming easier and, you know, we're more feared t- towards them. So one thing that I also learned or I heard, is that they want to vote judges out of office because and how they take their case. You know, so, like, if a judge tells a, a, a cop that killed someone and the, and the judge tells them, oh, you're not guilty, you know, and they're, you know, working in, you know, office or something, and, you know, I'm, obviously people are furious about that. So they want to vote judges out, the ones that let go of the cops or officers. They also want to look at the training from, you know, officers. They want to look at the old officers' trainings to the new ones, to the recent ones. They want to see um, how has it improved, what has it been added, or what has to be added, or what has to, you know, be taken out due to their training, due to the decisions they make when they're, you know, active officers. So that's one thing that I heard in the conference call that they want to know and look at and, you know, look at the training of the officers. Because to become a cop, they don't have a lot of recommendations, you know. they don't. You don't have a lot of requirements to become a cop. It's easier to become a cop than to be a nurse, I believe so. So that's what they want to try and look at. And they also want to make sure that the training, they're doing it right. They don't just, you know, want to jump to conclusions that, you know, oh, this was the best decision. No, they want to look at the training to make sure they're doing it correctly. So that's one of the things that I heard in the conference call. They've talked a lot of many things that I'm not aware of, but I'm pretty sure you guys will be. And they were really important topics they were talking about. They did focus on the Laquan McDonald case for a bit, but I didn't, you know, I didn't catch the what they were talking about since it was a conference call. It was difficult to to hear. There was a lot of feedback. So this is all I got from the conference call. And you know, yeah. So now we're gonna take a quick break, song break, and stay tuned. And don't forget, you're listening to What's Up. Uh, we're visiting Studio B. Uh, this is WLPN, LP Chicago 105.5 FM, Lumpin Radio. Se encierra a ver telenovela 
Ya se levantan fortalezas, se prenden velas Allá afuera los revólveres no respetan Plomo revienta y nadie se alarma más de la cuenta Hey guys, we're back, and you guys just listened to this Orden Público, Valle de Balas. So that was like the song's name. Uh, don't forget, we're talking about uh, what's happening in the communities of Little Village. So, you know, youth and police. Uh, we're going to continue now with youth. Um, I don't know if you guys knew that, but like, there's a lot of things going on between youth and police. We know that there's a conflict going on that youth don't like police at all. So to make, you know, so you guys could learn more and uh, put your perspective on their, you know, on their point of view, um, you guys will understand throughout the process why youth don't like police. But I just want to also mention that um it's not only youth, you know, like students that go to high school or, you know, youth that are also, you know, gang involved. Um, they're being harassed by cops. So cops are using youth that are gang active um, to go to lineups or to do them favors. But sometimes it's not always like that. They also um, use youth to take them to opposite territories of their gangs. So which that creates violence, um, that creates more, you could say, war against gangs, uh, and that, that creates more hatred towards cops, towards police. So to understand that, you guys have to, you guys going to listen to some um, ceasefire violence prevention members, uh, their mentors, their leaders. So we're going to hear some testimonies from youth that are shared with David, Jesse, and Major of what youth go through in their daily lives dealing with police. So the first clip we're going to listen to is David, and it's it's basically about youth or even innocence being harassed. Oh, a lot of youth are scared. Um, you know, um, they've been through situations with police, um, and some of the, some, some of the children are not even involved in anything wrong, but just by them hanging out with their friends or being in certain areas of the community where it might be marked as a, labeled as a hotspot by police, um, a lot of, a lot of times innocent people get harassed for no reason. Um, and I think that maybe that's why a lot of people... Don't like to, you know, call the police when bad things happen to them. Or even if they see the police, though, the first, their instinct is just to run and to get away because they don't want nothing bad to happen to them. You know, and, it, and it's not all, that's not all police that are like that. But um, I guess the experiences that the, the, the young people in the community have been through makes them feel a little on edge about the police, I believe. So that was David talking to us about innocence being harassed. And like he mentioned, um, usually when uh, 
a, a young person sees a police or they believe they're going to be harassed, that's when they take action and they, you know, they want to run. Because due to the fact that they harass them, they do things they're not supposed to do, um, they don't want to be involved with police at all. That's why they don't really want help when they really need it. So after hearing David talk about how youth fear the police, sometimes as a mentor or even a community server, they play out of role. People like Jesse have helped and mentor a lot of young people from situations like finding missing children to hospital visits. So now we're going to listen to Jesse where he plays out of role of being a mentor or, you know, a community server. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that happens like at least once a week. Um, I get phone calls late at night, 2, 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning when youth are in trouble and they have no other option, right? Um, I've gotten calls of, you know, them being stranded in other neighborhoods that might be a potential threat to their safety and well-being. Um, I've gotten calls that, you know, um, have led me to the community hospital where youth have been shot. Um, there's been instances where parents of youth call me to find their children um, because they can't locate them or they ran away. Um, I get phone calls about domestics that happen between youth and like their girlfriends or like their family members. Um, so I have to mediate a lot of conflicts um, that happen during my time, you know, when I'm not at work. Uh, but it it's it's one of those types of things that I do um, with with you know or from from my heart because you know it's just uh, nobody was there for me when I was when I was a youth. You know what I mean? When I was a youth, there wasn't that one particular person who looked out for me or I could go to for any type of assistance or help. So I try to be that for, for young people in the neighborhood who are, you know, um, living a lifestyle that isn't positive or, you know, that are on the street homeless or stuff like that. Um, I've caught myself letting people stay at my house, you know, until they find uh, a place to stay. Um, so, yeah, a lot of those things happen. So we just listened to Jesse explain how he takes his job um, further. He goes out of his title. He goes out of his role. And, you know, as a person with a kind heart, he does so many things for youth, young people that, you know, we don't know that they deal with in their daily lives. So not only Jesse plays out of role, um, also David has played out of role and talks talks about his experience helping youth when they are seeking help or even advice. Um, David also connects with young people due to his past, past experience uh, making bad choices, and he also mentions um, how becoming a positive influence gives him the chance to give back to his community and help youth make better choices. So now we're going to listen to David giving back to his community. 
That happens a lot, especially when you get those phone calls late at night and the youth might be in trouble or um, just need somebody to talk to, you know, and those are like, I mean, it's, it's like two, two o'clock in the morning when you're asleep, but you know, you, I mean, me, I, I, I try to answer every phone call that I can because I, you never know when a, um, a young person is, has reached that point where they're ready to break. And so I, I try my best to always just reach out to them, um, you know, sometimes on a daily basis or weekly, just to check in with a lot of them to make sure they're doing okay. Um, there's a few times where we've actually had to go and get guys out of situations, um, you know, that were hazardous for us and them, you know, but it's it's part of the job and that it's a job that I do because it's it's not a job to me, it's a passion, you know, because like... I've lived in a community for 45 years, and when I was younger, I, I was involved in gangs, and I did a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have, and so I look at myself now as I'm going through the, my changes in life that I need to be able to give back to the community, you know, to at least share my experiences with the youth or anybody in general, um, you know, just to let them know that there's always a better way to do something, you know, and um, just to think about the consequences of your every action that you do. That's what, that would be my main thing to tell people. Before you do something, think twice about it. And think, is it really worth it? And think about the consequences that come with your actions. Because a lot of, a lot of young people don't think about it. They just know what, I'm going to go ahead and do this and I'll deal with it later. And everything you do will follow you in life. That's what I've learned, you know. So that was David um, talking about how he gives back to the community and how he helps youth when they need his help or when they need someone um, in need. Um, now we're going to talk about how um, David also challenges youth. So helping youth can be very difficult. We all know that. Um, but especially to those that go through a lot and keeping them to do proactive things becomes a challenge. So to convince the youth, uh, do proactive things, let's say, like join a basketball league or even do anything to give back to the community. It could be difficult to convince them. So David from Ceasefire mentions what are some challenging things about working and connecting with youth. So here's David uh, challenging youth. Getting them to trust people, that's the biggest challenge because, like, a lot of youth have been through so much things already in a short period of time in their life, that trust is a real key issue with them, you know? And so, like, sometimes we have people that that are not from the community try to come and help us do, do the work that we do, and the kids will shy away from them because they don't, they don't look at them as people that who grew up in the neighborhood or have been through similar situations. So it's hard to try to break the shell a little bit, you know? But eventually, if given the right opportunities, everybody sort of opens up, you know, the, the more comfortable they are, then the more they'll express to you. The best way I would say to help out our youth is to to guide them in the right direction, you know, keep them enrolled in school, put them in sports activities, um, any sort of after-school activities that help them, tutoring, um, you know, um, arts and crafts programs, music, dance, you know, whatever the case may be. So, po positive activities will keep them busy and will keep them in the right direction. So now we list, we just listened to David how he said that doing positive things with youth make them think positive and do more positive things um, and, you know, not make them go to the wrong path. So that was David talking about, you know, 
youth. Um, so we are aware that David and Jesse aren't the only ones, you know, that work with youth. I know a lot of people do, but um, Major, um, he also has some stories that were shared with them by youth. So youth are, that are gang involved also being objectified to do things for cops. So the harassment stops. So in other words, cops make them makes young people do things so they won't bother bother them or you know harass them anymore. So we're gonna listen to major uh, some youth gang stories. Being falsely accused, um, being you know brutalized, being beat up, being taken to opposition and dropped off in neighborhoods, uh, being uh, coerced, tricked. Um, sometimes not even that. Sometimes just asking them to, to, to stand in the lineup. Yeah, so let's say, uh, you know, a young man, is, is, he's outside with his friends. Police car rolls up, and police officer knows him, has a relationship with that young man, and says, hey, would you sit in the, you know, stand in the lineup? Oh, yeah, sure. Then those guys, they'll take him in the car, put him in the lineup, and then have them participate, right? They're not chosen. But it's like, why those guys? Why are you choosing that youth? Why not a youth that's not gang involved? And should we be putting our young people in lineups? There's something wrong with that. So, I mean, stories like that. Yeah, stories like that. So that was Major talking about some stories that youth had for him. Um, just I just wanted to uh, remind you guys who Major is. Major is a CGA Youth and Family Services, also Community Engagement Project for Police Accountability. Um, he is part of the Community of Police Accountability. So now as we move on, I know as mentors and people with open hands, have open hands to youth, they also believe that there's a chance to change the perspective for all teens to think positive towards police. Uh, Jesse, uh, Jesse's from Ceasefire, uh, Violence Prevention. Jesse will tell us more um, how our community will look, of how our community will look if police are more proactive with youth. So now we're going to listen to Jesse talking about proactive police. You know, unfortunately, we do have people who, who, who commit crimes, right? Um, in a perfect world, we would have... Uh, a community that that has very little crime and the police could focus more on serving the community rather than than being punitive towards the community right instead of writing tickets you know they can they can be helping uh they can help the community you know with with other issues right we have a lot of other issues that happen in the community that 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 they can be helpful in um let me give you an example um so when when a child doesn't make it home because he's he's with his friends and you know he's, his friends are influencing him to 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 stay out late and you know he might be getting influenced and going into the wrong path you know there, there could be a police officer who can can pick that child up and and or, or that teenager up and be like yo it doesn't have to be that way you don't have to take that route and you can you can make something of yourself and be an example to, to to youth in our community rather than than 
youth in, in our community viewing the police as negative, you know. Um, I remember as a child, um, when I would get in trouble, like, people would, would, say, would tell me, Le vamos a, we're going to call the cops on you, Le vamos a decir a la policía, or ahí viene la policía y te va a llevar, and I would be, like, terrified, you know what I mean? Like, I would be like, oh, my God, the police is going to take me, what? What are you talking about? So, you know, even as children, we are taught to not trust the police or that the police are bad. And I think that that needs to change. Like, police need to be more active in our communities, doing proactive things, right? Like, being examples for for young people and um, helping people in general and being um, what they were supposed to or their purpose was supposed to be with, to protect and serve us, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure if there's... A balance that needs to happen or that should happen or or isn't happening you know i think it's it's just we need to review all of what's going on and 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 really think about um community policing in a in a different way so that was jesse talking about proactive police and i do agree that as children we're taught that um to be afraid about uh, towards police and some people believe that the relationship between a cop and a teen will never work together and this is where david comes in and he mentions that that there's hope if communication is well established between a cop and a teen so now we're gonna listen to david the with communication with police and youth I think that with some youth, it, it will just never happen, you know, like, and, and, and them being in contact with each other or, or, you know, having a mutual respect for each other because of the things that they've been through and the way they've been treated. Um, but I, but I, but I, I, I do feel that there, um, I think that there has to be an open line of communication and there has to be accountability for things that people do. And maybe once that that is established, then I think maybe some of the youth will feel better about the relationship towards the police, right? But until, until that happens, um, you know, it's, it's just going to be like, it's going to be a big separation, you know. I think it's all about accountability. You know, there's so many situations that happen where you hear in the news about um, people getting harassed about people being shot, you know, for no reason at all. People being arrested and, you know, um, put up on charges that are not even true. And so and, until somebody takes um, the initiative to say, you know, within the police department to say, hey, these things are wrong and we need to fix these problems, uh, you know, from the inside. And then, you know, maybe people from the outside will look differently at that, you know. But to me, I think the main thing is just for them to be accountable for the, for the, for the, act, for the wrong actions that some of them do. So that was David talking about how communication is key to have a well-established relationship between a cop and a teen. Um, like they mentioned earlier, David and Jesse mentioned earlier that trust is one of the challenging things to um, gain from a teen, from a youth, working with youth. But like Jesse mentioned earlier of about proactive police, is sometimes I believe that uh, cop ha also has to get um, do more than you know just be a cop to go out to be uh, out of their role you know like how Jesse and David are and that's what I believe should 
leads to communication with between a cop and a teen. And when youngsters decide to share with people like Major and Jesse and David, they open up and create a strong relationship. So communication is key. So that's how David, Jesse, and Major um, created a strong relationship with all these people, young people. David also talks more about his experience creating a relationship with youth. So now we're going to listen to David uh, about his relationship with youth. I would say I would say that we have a very close relationship with a lot of the youth that we work with. Um, some of them, they, you know, with some youth, it's a give and take. You know, you you help them a little bit, and then you know they share a little bit. And then some of them, they they they, they give you that shell. They don't, you know, they want to put a wall up because they don't trust people and things of like that. So you have to sort of chisel away at that a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and just sort of bond with them in every way that, in whatever way you can. Um, I would say, I would say that we have a great relationship with the, with the youth that we work with, you know, um, and that's a good thing, you know, because we're our job is to try to steer people that are misguided in the right direction. So that was David talking about his relationship with youth. Sometimes he does go out of his title and you know keeps in touch whenever he's done mentoring the young person that he is. Um, it's important to create a relationship and communicate with youth. David mentioned earlier that trust is one of the main things that young people have issue with. Understanding youth and trying to get, and trying to give them resources to give them a distraction in life, to do positive and healthy things. Jesse, supervisor of outreach team, violence prevention creates programs to keep youth out of the streets so jesse um like i mentioned he does work out of his title so now we're gonna listen to jesse how he creates programs to keep youth out of the streets yes i do a lot of work with youth in general i don't work um as an outreach worker like um, a lot of my co-workers i am the supervisor of the outreach team um, here in Little Village, um, violence prevention team, and I work with youth um, doing programming, different types of programming. So um, I we start a lot of programs. So we do programming for youth anywhere from the ages of nine to you know um, twenty four years old, and then we have like groups for older gentlemen as well. Um, but we do sports, we do uh, music, we do arts, we do um, discussions, safe haven nights, um, you name it, we do it. So anything that will um, engage youth or engage young people, that's that's what we do. I'm starting a hip-hop group soon. Um, I started the Graffiti De Miro Project in Little Village. Um, so I've exposed youth to painting, to music, and um, just things that are positive for the community. So that was Jesse talking about how he uh, works with youth. Not only he's uh, an outreach team violence prevention mentor, but he also takes you know his job out of role. He creates programs like he you guys heard earlier. Um, he does many things that involves youth, so not he doesn't always work. Um, 
he doesn't always focus his, his um, job on his job. So after all, there's people that care and want to help youth that are at risk of going into the wrong path. Also, to those who are not involved in wrongdoings, still have a negative view towards cops. In this clip, Major talks and gives a direct message to youth. So now we're going to listen to Major giving a message to youth. So what we should tell teens is to know who you are. And what that means is to know your, to know your role in, the, in society, right, and, and the role that you play, and that you belong here. <clears throat> and that means to know your rights. But knowing your rights doesn't mean that you, you know, that you talk aggressively to police, right, to anyone. If you want to get something out of someone, you come with, to them with kindness, right? And will it always work? No. But if you can be that better person, I think that that will help. And, and, and police, because a lot of times they're going to be defensive. So the question I tell you, what I pose to young people is that, how do you get someone to lower the defense to get to hear who you are, to get to know who you are, right? And that means that I have to engage you, I have to pull you in so that you can see the good in me. So if, if you can keep that in mind as you're talking to people, I think that will serve a lot, it will get you a lot further in life, not just with police. We are Yola Kali. What's up? Hey, guys. We're back. And don't forget you're listening to What's Up, uh, broadcasting live from Studio B uh, here in Lumpen Radio. Uh, WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 Lumpen Radio. Uh, now we're just going to do a quick recap and talk about what we were talking about in the past hour. Uh, we, were the, we just finished with the youth um, conversation. Uh, we also talked about, in the beginning, we talked about Alejandro, um, the history of, you know, the civil rights movement and the Black Panthers. And don't forget, we're talking, this is a conversation between the community and youth and the police. So if you guys have any questions, you guys could tweet us or join the Lumpen Radio chat, which is in lumpenradio.com. So now we're going to continue with um, Alejandro, we're visiting back to the meeting that Alejandro spoke. He gives a small reflection on how it's difficult for you to engage 
in this type of community meetings due to what they go through in their daily lives or daily routines. Uh, so now we're going to listen to Alejandro, uh, community engagement. And there is a lot of fear in Little Village because of the repercussions of like police brutality, pl police violence in this neighborhood. You know? um, there are some who have been interested, um, and it's actually really been the youth, mm -hmm. the youth who I've um, reached with because apart, you know, working on the campaign for a civilian police accountability council, I also did a lot of um, know your rights through FDLA, which is first defense legal aid, mm -hmm. which, you know, like is triage, right? Like immediate, like something that's concrete for someone, right? I could definitely use this, right? But, you know, like what I try to get them to understand, though, is, you know, like how can we stop this racial profiling, the setups, mm -hmm. uh, the, the brutality, you know? That's, that's the real question, you know? Like, you know, you could know your rights all day, but, like, how do we stop it? Right, so it was the youth most likely that were more engaged. Um, mm -hmm. There was a few other, um, and it, uh, unfortunately, it's always until you become a victim of police violence that you gain real interest, right? Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't affect me, you know, I'm not a criminal, you know, but now with this immigration thing, you know, taking full swing, now everyone's having a whole different perspective, you mm -hmm. know? They're like, oh, that's not us, we're not criminals, but like under these new executive orders like you fall under a criminal you know thing so you got to be careful like who you're calling a criminal around here you know because you fall under the same perspective you know if you start pointing fingers you know so um the youth have been um the ones uh the adults you know they're of course they're busy you know like just like and it's just not in little village across this whole city right mm -hmm. people who actually deal with these kind of problems are dealing with life that's you know like trying to survive Right, working two, three jobs, right. So it's difficult for people to get engaged, right. But there are the few that actually, you know what? I understand this, and you know what? This is something I can do. So. So that was Alejandro talking about community engagement and how it's difficult for youth or even you know parents to um, join the community meetings because you know due to their daily routines of what they go through. Uh, I just want to give you guys a friendly reminder of the song you guys listened earlier was Señor Matanza, and the band is called Mano Negra. So just a friendly reminder. Um, I also want to talk about how he said that it's difficult for um, people to go to these meetings. And, like, I do believe him because due to the, all the violence that's going on, not only in Little Village, but every community in Chicago, um, it's, it makes it difficult because these meetings are taking place um, during the afternoon. So usually when kids get out of school or even parents get home from work. So it's understandable that it's difficult for people to engage and be part of these meetings. Also, Alejandro mentioned that there's a lot of fear in the community. And now we're going to talk um, with we're going to go with Amara. And she gives us a little more detailed information and deep information in the community of Little Village and the experiences that people go through, such as that is playing a role and also how community react to these type of meetings. And I just want to remind you guys, Amara is a former community organizer from Enlace, Chicago, and also community engagement project from 
police accountability. So now we're going to listen to Amara and the reactions in the community. Some of the problems that the Little Village community faces with police is uh, it's it starts out with the fear, but when, when I'm digging um, more deeper into it, it's, um, it's like a validated fear. A lot of youth are afraid of violence by the police, um, whether that is physical violence, um, like getting beat up or anything like that, or it's uh, a retaliation kind of violence if they are, make any complaint against the police or, or express any kind of like um, disgusto with the way that they're acting. For a lot of our older parents, uh, or people in the community, it, it's a real fear around that connection between police and immigration. So a lot of people don't want to call the police because they, a lot of times that leads to them um, getting connected with ICE in some way or somehow their information getting shared. Um, for a lot of women, especially undocumented women, when they're experiencing um, domestic violence, for those same reasons they don't want to call the police and also because um, they're afraid of the, the separation of their families, so that's another reason why they don't call the police. Well, right now we're in, um, sorry, well, right now we're in a process of seeing what the solutions can be, um, because the way that we're working around the project is that the table itself is not coming up with the ideas. We're having conversations with the community to see what ideas they want to see happen. Um, well, our regular meetings that we have every Tuesday, um, which is a steering committee that has been like a steady 8 to 12 people on it, it's gone from a lot of emotional reaction in the beginning, a, a lot of sharing of personal stories, to now getting more into like the details of um, how policing started, what that looks like in the community, and really looking at it in in, in a more real and exposed way now that they understand a lot of the problems that that this community faces are similar to the problems that a lot of communities have been facing for more than 40 or 50 years. So it started out like, you know, in that very personal thing, but now we're starting to understand the structure better and, and how we fit into that. When we had the community conversations uh, back in November, which were like um, 40 to 50 people in each one, I, my feeling was that most people still want to have that personal testimony. Um, so we're trying to balance giving space for that personal testimony and actually providing that education so they understand the structure and how we can change it. So that was Amara talking about the community reactions and how like um, immigration status um, plays a role and, and the things, how people start panicking due to hearing eyes being in the community or, you know, being partnered with um, police. So that was Amara. And also Amara gives some tips in how to have a calm interaction with police. And all, and it all depends um, if you consider a safe space with the police due to their historic traumatizing events. So now we're going to listen to Amara giving us some tips. Um, some tips that I would give is Yes, you, you don't have to talk to the police. You don't have to answer any questions. And especially for young people, I, I know this is particularly hard for young people because it's a particularly vulnerable situation when an adult authority figure is telling, what you, uh, telling you what to do. But you don't have to talk to police uh, unless somebody is charging with something. You definitely want to ask them if you're free to go and, and what they're holding you for if they don't let you go. Um, 
And so I think those are the biggest tips for youth and for interactions in people's home. It's just like we're telling people, especially at this time when immigrations are fear, fears are high, sorry, that you, you don't have to open the door. And if unless they have a warrant, um, they don't have the right to enter your home. And even if they do have a warrant, you want to make sure that you inspect that information to make sure that it's correct before you open the door and allow those authorities to enter into your home. I don't have an answer for that, so I'll just be honest about that. It's... It's really been a tense situation in the community, like creating those safe spaces because the police department has not been fully cooperative uh, and they haven't made the effort to make a safe space. And when I consider a safe space is somewhere where people don't feel intimidated by a uniform or a badge, where people feel comfortable expressing their true feelings and fears. And so far the police department has not been able to create those spaces for the community or for the youth. Um, that was Amara talking about some tips out of how you could uh, interfere or, you know, with cops. So I have some tips myself that I um, actually received in one of the meetings. Uh, it's, uh, it's called her responding to an officer officer's threat to arrest you. So one of the things that an officer says is you're resisting arrest. And the way you will be replying to them will, will be... No, we're not. No one here is using or threatening to use physical force against any officer here. Nor are we creating any substantial risk of causing physical injury. And the key words will be physical force and substantial risk. Another one that it's in the list is you're interfering with the police officer. And the way you will be replying to them will be, no, we're not. We are not interrupting hindering or intimidating you we are not threatening you any officer safety all we are doing is legally observing you and recording you and recording your actions and the keywords will be intimidating interrupting and hindering and another one that i will i personally like is you're committing a disorderly conduct and the way you will reply will be no we're not we are not refusing any order to disperse. We are stepping away as you requested. We're not in your way, and we're not obstructing public safety. We are standing a safe distance away. And the keywords will be refusal, order to disperse, and safe distance. So now continuing with the police community uh, youth conversation. Um, now we're gonna talk, uh, talk with or have a talk with um, Jesse. Also, Jesse, who is a, a violence prevention mentor uh, from Ceasefire. Um, Jesse also informs us in how police have been positive when it gets to community events like a peace march or anything that, that involves a big crowd in the community. He mentions how his work sometimes is involved with the police. So here's Jesse how talks about how his his work is involved with the police. As a community worker and as a person who who is a voice for the community, um, the only involvement that I have with police is, um, you know, if 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 we have a peace march or a vigil or a shooting response that happens in the community, I reach out to them to provide safety. 
Um, so I've I've built a pretty solid ne- network with sergeants and captains um, and other people in uh, the 10th district that help me out with certain issues, right? Um, if I need security for a peace march, I'll reach out and, you know, let them know that if I can have a special attention because I'm going to have community members with me marching for peace or um, for an issue that happens in the community. Um, and if I have a prayer vigil and a young man who's been shot and killed that was gang involved, um, I, I would definitely call the police for, 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 for safety as well. Um, just for the simple fact that there might be more retaliation happening and we might be targets as well. So let them know that their presence is needed and that, you know, if they can come out and, and help us out a little bit. So you guys just listened to Jesse and how his work is involved with the police. And continuing with this conversation, as we all know, being a police officer is as we all know, being a police officer doesn't really have a lot of requirements. It has become an issue to the community residents. In this case, Jesse believes that the Chicago Police Department should make certain changes in order to have a good relationship with the police. So here's Jesse's uh, aim to change. Um, in the police department, I think transparency and... and um um, more officers who are equipped to handle different situations that they would handle differently, right? So, if I have a if if they get a call from a mentally ill person acting violent or anything like that, you know, you send the right officers who can, you know, talk to the person who's who's being violent and and disarm them without any 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 violence. You know, that would be one of the ways um, that, you know, that I would see that would be ideal, right? Um, so just training more officers on, on issues. Um, and and I think there needs to be more qualifications for an officer or, or somebody who's looking to be an officer. Like, you know, like all you need is a GED to be an officer, but you're dealing with, with people, you know what I mean? And, and you kind of have to take that that health uh, worker approach to working with people. You know what I mean? Like um, an MSW would be ideal for, for a police officer. You know what I mean? Um, So I don't know. Saliendo por la noche buscándote a ti en medio de mis sueños Por eso estoy perdida entre tus piernas Buscando el camino entre la luna y las estrellas Ambulo de aquí, de aquí para allá De aquí, de aquí, de aquí para allá Hey guys, don't forget you're listening to What's Up and we're broadcasting live from Studio B, uh, Lumpin' Radio, 
WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpin Radio. So the song you guys just listened to was Escapate and Los de Abajo, Panteo Rococo y Julieta Venegas. So since we are almost done covering the conversation between community, youth, and um, police, uh, I just want to mention some uh, vocabulary that you guys might not, um, you know, understand um i ipra which means is independent police review authority and the meaning of this word is is an independent civilian agency that investigates the most serious complaints against officers so a lot of people uh think ipra is like copa now copa is um the ones that take the the f- complaints, the files from you know people that they investigate. So that's what that's what the meaning of copa is. And I also want to mention a personal sort of personal vocabulary word that I learned from Jesse. Um, he's a mentor and leader from violence prevention and outreach team from ceasefire one of the words that he said that i remember that he i was in a meeting in november in last year he mentioned um he asked us what a pan dulce is and typical people from the neighborhood will say oh it's like you know bread it's sweet they will describe it as something to eat. But for him, a pan dulce is, um, since he was a victim of police harassment and misconduct and, you know, abuse, he said that pan dulce for him means um, when a cop takes you a place, a private place. Uh, for instance, for him, a cop took him behind a train tracks and, you know, forced them to get information out of him. So he, you know, uh, he was, you know, brutal with him. So he actually beat him up and he didn't file a complaint to the cop. So that's a part of his personal story that he told me. Well, he actually said in the meeting. So that's what a pandulce is. When a cop takes you somewhere where you're, you know, you can't really do nothing or like ask for help or, you know, scream for help. And that's when they, you know, overpower, or overpower you. That That's where um, they actually do the abuse, where they physically abuse you and try to take information out of you. So that's what a pan dulce means. So now we're going to go on a quick break. Lumpin' Radio! Lumpin' Radio! Thank you. 
Hey guys, we're back, and don't forget you're listening to What's Up. And I just want to do a quick recap before we leave. Uh, I just wanted to inform or let everyone know the, what we talked about today in What's Up. Uh, it was a conversation between community, um, youth, and police. So it was a really long conversation. <laughs> so... And it was the importance of how to interact with police and to know what's happening in communities like Little Village. So this is not only happening in Little Village, it's happening everywhere nationwide. So we just, you know, focused in the community of Little Village to, you know, have a closer look of what is actually happening, how everything looks. So some of the people that you guys heard throughout the conversation was Amara. She's a former community organizer from Enlace, Chicago, and community engagement project for police accountability. Also, you guys heard Alejandro. Uh, he's from CPAC, C-P-A-C, um, and he's a community member and also a victim of police misconduct and harassment. Uh, you also guys heard Maria Diaz. Uh, she was a testimonial from earlier, the past hour. Um, she was a victim, and she is a community server. Uh, you guys listen to Major. He's a CGA, Youth and Family Services. Also, a community engagement project for police accountability. And, of course, you guys listen to Jesse. Um, he gave us a lot of information and a lot of, um, you know, what he feels about this topic and the work he does with youth. Um, Jesse is also from the outreach team, uh, Violence Prevention. He works with Ceasefire. He's the supervisor. Uh, David, also from the outreach team, Violence Prevention, Ceasefire, um, you guys heard about, you know, his relationship with youth, uh, his, you know, the communication that he has with youth and even how he has, you know, stories and between youth and police and all of that. So those were your, um, so those were the people that talked today um, about the topic between the community youth and police. So if you guys have any questions or you guys want to learn more about these things going on in your communities, I suggestly suggestly um will pay attention of what's going on in your community, you know? Um we might be um we might all be busy, you know, we we all know. We heard it from Alejandro that we all have, you know, daily routines. We all go through something. We are busy. Uh, we have dedication to something else, and we don't really pay attention of what's going on in our community. And um, I also, I personally, I got involved in these meetings um, back in November of 2016 when I heard that there were uh, police com- uh, community meetings, and it got my attention because. 
in the flyer it said that they want youth and you know me being you know curious I wanted to see if anyone was going to speak of what's going on because I really didn't know I really don't know what's going on like I didn't know that youth young people were being harassed by police officers I know there's a conflict between them I know there's a issue like a problem going on between them and I wasn't really aware aware of it. Like I really didn't understand why youth, young people, or you know, they don't like police. You know, like they just they have fear towards them, or even parents how they also started not liking police or how they're afraid to you know even call them if they need you know police. You know, they have they're going through a situation that. Um, they need police. But I also believe that if you guys want to get more information about what's going on in your community, um, I suggest, or if you guys can, um, get involved of what's going on. Get involved with uh, speaking, speaking up what you guys been through, or friends, or anyone, you know, that was a victim of police misconduct or police harassment. And something that I also noticed from the the meetings I've um I was involved with, um I really didn't saw youth there. I was actually the only one, um except for the ones that volunteered, you know, to talk to me. Um, but besides that, I was the only one that um um was involved. And like it would be nicer, it would be you know more cool if youth were involved. On these type of meetings that they get to, you know, know their, you know, neighborhood police officers. They they get to know, you know, anything that's going on around them. And, like, I didn't know what was going... Like, when I was in high school, I didn't know what a gang database was. Um, and a gang database is um basically when you're late to school, to all the students out there. When you're late to school, you usually there's an officer that asks you... Why are you late? And they have like a little um, index card or little, you know, square paper that um, they write down every information about you. So your name, the classes you take, um, the year you're in in high school. And usually those database are used for if they have like, let's say, is there if there's a like uh, issue in the like by the school they'll go to you first because they think you're um, involved in it or you're, like, suspicious, you know, only because you're late or or anything. And I actually was written down in the gang database, um, like, three times. And I told them the, fr- the second time, like, oh, the cop already took my information. And I didn't know back then what that was, you know. it was It's a little, like, index card. And they write down your name, your age, your birthday, and, you know, the <laughs> the classes you take, which is kind of weird, you know. But, like, they just told me it's for my own good because I was late and they're going to give my information to the principal so they can write me down late. I'm like, okay, but they took so much information from me that I didn't know why. But now I know, and now I know that, and I also find out that once you're in a game database, you're there. Like, you're there, like, forever. 
So I'm pretty sure students out there don't know what the gang database is. And I'm recommending you to educate yourself of what they write you down for. You you should ask why. Um, if they don't want to tell you, then you shouldn't give them your information because you didn't do nothing, basically. You're just a student. You're coming in late. And I'm pretty sure everyone has the same, you know, excuse that they're late because they woke up late or they missed their bus or they had to go to the dentist or something. So don't always give your information out to cops unless, you know, they have a warrant or they need, I don't know, if they have a warrant. Just as long as they have a warrant, um, give your information or ask them, like, you know, ask them why you need my information. So I also, I just want to, you know, let youth know, you know, me as a young person, I want you guys to know that you guys might not even know what's going on in your community. Um, um, and it's important to get to know your community. Not, o- not only don't let people, you know, um, let your community be seen as violent. Um, there's a reason why it's violent. There's a reason why cops and teens don't get along there's a reason for everything so and there's an answer for everything so you guys should you know be involved in this or start a conversation about this topic you know like everything matters in our community it's for our own safety it's for you know our future family safety your kids generation safety we don't want all everyone to go to the wrong path and we know it's difficult, you know. We we don't always have that help. So like Jesse and David mentioned, they, they take their role, you know, like they take their job out of role. So there's people out there that, to help youth. There's people out there to be willing to not always, you know, dedicate to their job, but also to do more their, than their job. So like if you guys have any questions or any help, you guys should, you know, uh, locate your local mentors, ceasefire counselors, or even teachers. They should have resources for you guys to, you know, get help. Because it's hard, you know, it's hard to live in a society where you're judged and you're being known for being a criminal or something, you know. So it's better to, you know, break stereotypes and you know, prove everyone wrong, that you're not, that you guys are not all the same. Like, you guys will not choose the same path. Everyone ends up differently, you know. They end up going to college or even being being wanting a cop to change the perspective of being a cop. And I just want to end it with this, guys, and I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with between cops youth and the community overall and thanks thank you guys for listening my name is Adeline and don't forget to tune in next week Saturday and what's up here at Lumpin Radio and don't forget we're broadcasting live Studio B WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FN
it's me. I haven't heard from you in a while. I hope it's because you're listening and enjoying our amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delightful, funny, breathtaking, amazing, astonishing, highly amazing <gasps> production. If not, you should listen to our radio show, What's Up, again. In the meantime, we'll be working on the next one here in Lumpin' Radio. So stay tuned to our next amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delightful, funny, breathtaking, astonishing, highly amazing broadcast. I hope that you are informed about the awesome parts of life and that you will have a splendid day. Don't forget to listen to us on SoundCloud at Yolokali, on social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Tumblr at Yolokali, or visit at YolokaliArtsReach.org for more. We are the robots. We are the robots.